All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win over the Utah Jazz, final score 115-110. Got to see some good things at the arena tonight. Game was probably a little bit closer than a lot of people hoped for, maybe a lot of people anticipated, but Denver gets a win. Honestly, that's the most important thing. People forget that sometimes when you're when you're thinking about, okay, you should beat this team by a certain amount of points. You should do more than, than what you're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> okay, sure. There are a lot of teams that mess around that play with their food. It's not just the Nuggets. It's a lot of teams. The Phoenix Suns last year, despite winning 64 games, were one of those teams that was so good in the clutch that they would mess around with teams like... I don't know, the Detroit Pistons or the Orlando Magic or, I don't know, the Houston Rockets, who they lost to this year. A lot of teams do this. I think every team does this where you're in an advantageous situation and you kind of flub that by playing with kind of half-hearted effort on defense, knowing that your talent kind of outstrips the other team. And this is the result that most of those games have, where you have a group of players with the Nuggets that know how talented they are, that know that they are going to be better than the other team almost no matter what. And eight out of the 10 times, actually, let's not say that. Five out of the 10 times, six out of the 10 times, this is exactly how that kind of game goes, where it's a win in between like five and 12 points, where it's probably not as much as you would think it is, but that's why the line is set where it is. And I'm sure the Nuggets were favored by about nine, nine and a half tonight or so. And that's just kind of how that goes. But the Jazz, they caught Denver by surprise. Denver knew that they were still better and then proved it at the end. Once or twice, you will get games where this team will be blown out of the water. And then the two or three other times, you will get games where uh, the Nuggets will do the... uh, damaged and they will they will absolutely wreck a team. This just wasn't one of those times. The Utah Jazz are a good team, as we found out with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, sometimes a team that is understaffed is still pretty good and still pretty talented based off of the formula that they have. And let me tell you, I was really impressed with Kelly Olynyk. I was really impressed with Malik Beasley, with Jared Vanderbilt. A lot of the guys that they have on that team, Nikhil Alexander-Walker ran hot, not necessarily as impressed with him, but just making some tough shots. But the way that they function is that of a good team. And that's all that you really need in order to stay in a game like this one. They're creating decent to good looks most of the time. And Denver was very content to kind of let them hang around until the end of the game. On this first segment, we will talk about the starters. We'll talk about Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, etc. Second segment, we will talk about the bench, kind of go a little bit shorter on them. Not as much to talk about with the bench, although I do like the the ups and downs with Bones Highland continue to be pretty crazy. And then third segment, we're going to kind of revisit where everything stands heading into we're, we're I'm recording this Sunday morning at 12.55 a.m. And hopefully this podcast gets out before two. Uh, we will just have to see because um, I think. The Nuggets are in a pretty decent spot now after kind of losing focus of themselves for a while, but we will get to that when we do. For now, let's talk about Jamal Murray. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray, first and foremost, 
had a great moment in Portland. This is a new game. This is a new environment. But I do think that that moment that he had hitting that game winner over Jeremy Grant, battling back and forth with Damian Lillard in Portland, I think that definitely carried over. The Nuggets were relying on Jamal Murray in a lot of these cases. He attempted 19 shots. Nikola Jokic attempted 20. And those guys basically split the lead shot creator duties for the Nuggets. Murray, 30 points in 36 minutes, a season high for minutes. That's a back-to-back season highs in minutes. That's a good sign, but also I think maybe a sign that he could be tiring out at some point in the near future. Plus 11 on the night for Murray, 30 points in 36 minutes, 13 of 19 from the field, just one of three from the three-point line. And he attempted just three three throws, made all of them, five assists, just one turnover. This was the game that I think Murray was in the most control of all of them so far. He had, I think, his brightest and, and most impressive moment against Portland previously, but this was one where you could sense that Murray was very, very comfortable, that he understood exactly what he wanted to do, and he accomplished it. There was no question about what he was going to try and that he could get to those spots. Now, I will admit, some of the mid-range shots that he took, I thought were bad shots. I, I honestly did, where he take he does the up and under kind of pump fake from the elbow extended, where not necessarily a great shot, but what that says to me is that maybe he's getting a little bit of his touch back, where he's uh, where he's taking some tough shots, but feels very comfortable taking them and, and is a little bit more coordinated and under control than how he was. And that should be really, really exciting to Nuggets fans. This was always going to be a journey with him where there are ups and downs. But right now, Denver's in and up. They're in a place with him where he is contributing absolutely as much as anybody other than Jokic to these wins. And he is just in a very cool, calm, and collected state right now. Thought he gave up some bad possessions to Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the first half. Second half, though, he was much better. Clearly, clearly much better against him. Alexander-Walker finished with 27 points in his 40 minutes. 9 of 16 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3, 4 of 5 from the line. Two assists, but did have six turnovers. And part of the reason for that was because Murray kind of locked in a little bit on that end. He's, as he said, post-game. I'm not going to give him like a gold star for that. Like I think everybody on the Nuggets needs to lock in, and they probably need to do it sooner than they did because they gave up 38 points in the third quarter. But Denver gets credit for operating well in the clutch and for locking down in the clutch for sure. That was a that was a very important piece of this for this Nuggets team. They allowed, I think, 15 points through the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter and just allowed five, uh, or maybe it was 14 points in the first seven and then six points in the last five. A much better defensive performance to close the game. And it's something that we'll once again talk about in the third segment about how their defense is just like it turns up in that segment and it's been pretty good so far. Murray's a part of that. He amps himself up in those moments, has some good possessions in the post, has some good possessions on the perimeter, probably more good possessions than the post in general, but got to give him some credit. He's been a part of a lot of Denver's best moments, even defensively. Nikola Jokic, 
He was the guy that really helped bring it home in that fourth quarter. Denver needed somebody to kind of go to in that moment. And I thought that Jokic, there were a couple of moments where he was a little bit shaky, maybe missed a shot that he probably shouldn't have, took a three that he probably shouldn't have. But overall, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, a mean triple-double, plus 10 in a game that you win by five. That's the analog, right? That's what you're supposed to do. DeAndre Jordan was a minus five in his 13 minutes. Nikola Jokic was a plus 10 in his 35 minutes. That's about what to expect, I would say, on on most of these games. So good stuff from Nikola Jokic to really bring things home. And it wasn't just on the offensive end. I thought that he was better offensively than he was defensively, to be clear. But one steal and four blocks, along with nine offensive rebounds. I thought the moment where it really flipped for him was when Jared Vanderbilt stole one of his inbound passes, or stole one of the passes that he uh, that he received on the inbound, and created another opportunity out of that for the Utah Jazz. They missed that. Denver goes down, Jokic pushes the pace, Denver gets a bucket out of it. That really flipped for Jokic. I think that he turned on the aggressiveness as a scorer after that moment. He wasn't necessarily like truly doing a whole bunch of scoring at the beginning, but I think he had, a, I think it was like 15 points at the first half. So 15 points of the first, 16 points of the second. Very much more assist happy in the first half, but uh, was was just an all-around great performance that you're expecting in a matchup like this, where I think Embiid had like, what, 57, 60, something absurd like that against the Utah Jazz. And that was with Larry Markinen. That was with uh, some of their other guys that were out there. This is a matchup that Jokic can and should dominate. This is one where he needs to be the best player on the floor, and he was. That's what he's good at. That's what he has to do. And he helped ice the game down the stretch with some good passing, with some free throws. Only went 8 of 10 from the free throw line tonight, but he got there 10 times. That's the most important factor. And he hit a couple of clutch baskets too while generating some clutch passes. That's how Denver wins these games is they rely on the big fella and they lock down defensively. Aaron Gordon, good game, not great game. 15 points on 13 shots, missed a dunk tonight. It was a wide open dunk, probably the most open dunk he's had so far. He just missed it. Like Sometimes that happens. It's not a big deal. I thought that his defense was bad tonight. I thought that he was probably the guy that you can point to as, hey, this is the, the, not necessarily the problem, but the player that gave not enough energy on the closeouts, not enough fully being locked in on the offensive rebounding and things like that. Thought that he was a step slow, only had one rebound tonight, one assist, two steals. But after the way that he's played over the course of these last few weeks, he's earned the benefit of the doubt. It's time for Jokic and Murray to really carry the burden at this point. And Gordon took a little bit of a step back there, missed all four of his threes, but he still finished a plus six in the game and a five-point win. Hard to really complain that much. Still did some good things too. KCP, six of nine from the field, three of six from three. Efficient shooter tonight. Had some really good shots, uh, both in transition and coming off of DHOs from Nikola Jokic. Also caught a pass and faked like the swing pass to the corner and then went up for the shot. Very impressive play that he made, and he he hit the three. 
he has these plays where he's more than just a spot-up shooter in a lot of different cases. Like He has some creativity with his game. He learned some things in Washington where he was able to kind of expand his game and do a little bit more because they didn't really have a LeBron James or an Anthony Davis at that point or a Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic where his game is a little bit more narrow in this case. But 15 points on nine shots, three assists, one steal, plus nine, that's exactly what you're looking for. This is not like a an overstated performance from him, but it's a few more shots than he's hit relatively normally, and that's what you're hoping for in this case. Kind of gave them a, a nice, helpful edge down the stretch. And finally, Bruce Brown had a nice alley-oop to Aaron Gordon. That's one play that really stands out too where Aaron Gordon kind of cocks it back and just just flushes that thing uh, in transition. The one that I'm talking about, the missed dunk that he had, was right under the basket off of an easy pass from Yoke, one that he's converted a thousand times, and it just didn't go down this time. But in this one, uh, with for Bruce Brown, he led the team in plus minus at plus 12 in his 28 minutes. I'm not really sure why. Not sure that he was really the difference in a lot of different cases. Thought that guys like, well, I mean, all f- all three of Beasley, Alexander Walker, and Talon Horton Tucker found ways to be successful on offense tonight. They like Horton Tucker wasn't the most efficient from three, but they're all pretty good on the offensive end. And Bruce Brown, I'm just not finding as not finding to be as much of a defensive stopper as I thought he would be. Maybe this is just a bad month for him. Maybe this is just a bad stretch of games, but he looks a little slow, not necessarily contesting or able to contest various things that well. I'd have to go back and look at some of the defensive stuff, but doesn't feel like he's providing that all-around impact that he had been before. So maybe this, these three games or these three days off that are upcoming, maybe those can be the catalyst to kind of get him back moving the same direction that the Nuggets need him to go. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench unit and some of the things that I noticed from Bones and Jamal specifically. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. I want to tell you a little bit about Superbook Sports before we get back to the scheduled programming. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000 whenever you sign up, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football. You don't have to be at the arena to enjoy basketball. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call one 800 522 4700. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the program. Always really helps. I got some good feedback from folks uh, at the arena tonight. I I had some folks that came up and and said that they enjoyed listening to the podcast, so I got some good feedback from them. Uh, But yeah, I always love to hear it from everybody. Okay. Let's go over the bench. Not a great night for the bench. As I mentioned, the starters were all on the plus tonight. You had 
Bruce Brown leading the way at plus 12, Murray at plus 11, Jokic plus 10, KCP plus 9, Gordon plus 6. Uh, and then you had the bench, 25 minutes, Christian Brown uh, was the lowest plus minus tonight at minus 12. Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan each had a minus 5 plus minus. And then Jeff Green was minus 1. So I'm not sure if it's necessarily anything that the Utah Jazz bench did specifically. Like Rudy Gay had 5 points on 7 shots. Walker Kessler had 10, but he was only a plus 4. Oshai Baji 6 points, but he did it on 8 shots. So I think it was more with the staggers from the other guards that the Utah Jazz played, whether it was Alexander Walker, whether it was Horton Tucker, Beasley, one of those guys. All of them had opportunities to be successful, and I thought did some good things for the Jazz while they were out there. But for the Nuggets, I do want to focus in on Bones right now. Not necessarily his best game, uh, though he, he had some interesting numbers, interesting stats in the box score. 21 minutes, 11 points, 4 of 14 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. Uh, no free throw attempts here. Two rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks, and one turnover. So filled up the box score and some of the defensive numbers, but only one assist tonight and attempted 14 shots. The rest of the bench combined, uh, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Christian Brown, they combined for six total shots. And because Murray was staggering with that group, he definitely got some shots up with the bench and was a big reason for why. The bench was kind of able to hold water at various points. But with Bones, he has to be the leader of that group and is still, I think, struggling to make the easy plays for what the Nuggets need. It was brought up tonight on online, and I have to go back and look at the look at the footage here, but it sort of feels like Bones is trying to do too much most of the time. Rejecting the screen a lot, trying to get to the rim look for his own baskets, not necessarily using the picks that, whether it's DeAndre Jordan or Jeff Green, whether those guys are setting for him, it's not necessarily using them that well. And as a result, shouldering a lot of this stuff, putting a lot of it on his shoulders, and a lot of it becomes possessions where he's just kind of dribbling the air out of the ball, maybe takes a step back, maybe tries to drive to the rim, put his head down and shoot a contested floater or layup or something like that. And he has enough shake and enough uh, juice on the step backs that he can get away with that most of the time. Tonight, three of seven from three. Deserves credit for that. Like Even though the shots on the inside weren't necessarily going down, he deserves credit for being able to hit those threes because that's just kind of the player that he is and he has to take those shots sometimes. But he was one of seven from two, and I think most of those plays were like relatively easy shots around the rim for most guys. Uh, I don't want to like, I, okay, so he had two He had two shots that were on the baseline. He had one that was kind of a missed floater on the left side, and then he had a baseline jumper that I remember exactly what it was when he and Jokic were playing the two-man game. But he couldn't really get a free open possession from the Jokic two-man, and that's one of the reasons for that was he wasn't using Jokic as a screener to kind of go back into the middle. He was rejecting it a lot, trying to kind of stay away from contact. And I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just kind of a point of emphasis for him tonight. Maybe that's just something that he wanted to try to do. But it felt like he wasn't 
embracing the contact that well and wasn't handling that aspect of his game that well tonight. DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, Christian Brown, nobody is going to pretend that those are great offensive players. Nobody's going to pretend that those guys can really create much of their own. I think Jeff Green does a pretty decent job when he's in the post, but it's kind of a static play, not necessarily something that you want to do like within the flow of the offense. You'd rather the ball be in the ball handler's hands, and then he can kind of distribute to everybody else and make sure that their lives are easier. I don't think Bones is making life easy for Christian Brown. I don't really think he's making it easy for DeAndre Jordan, for Jeff Green right now. Now, that is not to say that it can't happen. That's not to say that there aren't games where Bones' assists are much higher and he's doing a better job of getting everybody else involved. I just don't think that the flow of what he's operating with on the second unit, I don't think it's that great right now. And I don't necessarily think you can just blame it on all of the other role players. Like, I know he's better when there are some other creators out there next to him, which is why the Nuggets pairing him with Jamal Murray was a really good thing. So Jamal could take some opportunities away from him in a good way. But I do think that Denver at this stage, they have to find a better semblance of consistent offense than just relying on Bones to freestyle. I don't know what it's going to take, whether it's a trade for somebody else, whether it's to find uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is that right now, with Bones out there and with a bunch of role players out there, the Nuggets bench offense has been very easy to navigate. And Denver's got to fix that. They're going to have to figure that out. He did have some good two-man operations with Jamal. That I do want to say that those guys, they didn't necessarily play with a your turn, my turn mentality on every single possession. There were some shots, especially in the second quarter from what I saw, that Jamal Murray and Bones Highland were operating well for each other. They were looking for each other, seeking each other out, making the game easier for the other player. And so hopefully maybe Denver can get to those actions a little bit more consistently. Bones is really good when he catches and shoots threes. He's also good when he pulls up, don't get me wrong. But I do think the Nuggets should try to make his life as easy as they can, given that he carries such a heavy load already. So we'll see what that looks like. But I did like what I saw from Jamal with that second bench, with that bench uh, stint that he's been playing. And there are definitely some times where that bench just needs him to ISO and get out of the way, even when Bones is out there, because a lot of times it's Bones who's the guy who's ISOing. So there are different ways that they can handle it. But if Jamal is in the post going up against, well, it was Malik Beasley tonight who he said had nothing on him. Uh, if it's Jamal going to the post against a smaller guard, if it's Bones hunting a an easy pick and roll big to really exploit, if it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's Jeff Green uh, mixing in a little bit more going forward. Jeff Green only attempted two shots tonight. I think that there are opportunities for Denver to diversify this thing a little bit more. I think that they probably should, and they probably need to, because it's going to save Bones a lot of stress. Christian Brown, 25 minutes tonight, was the sixth man off the bench, was the first player in the game in both of the first and third quarters, and he played 25 total minutes, 
was a minus 12, didn't do a whole heck of a lot in the box score, but he just continues to impress me from an off or from a defensive perspective. He knows where to be. And I was talking with Vinny Benedetto tonight, who, if you don't follow him, Vinny Benedetto, you should. He works, he writes for the Denver Gazette, very, very smart writer. And he was pointing out that Bones are not not Bones, uh Christian Brown is just one of those guys that as a rookie, it is so impressive to just not mess up because you never see guys that come in and just don't mess up as a first-year player. And he's stayed ready for all of this time and it has earned him time for sure. I think that he was a minus 12 tonight. He had he was a plus in each of the last two games, so I don't necessarily want to write it off completely. But he is one of those players that is going to stick around in the league for a long time as long as he can hit shots. He's got to find ways to take some threes. One of the reasons why Bones is being forced to do this is because there are no other creators out there. There are no guys that you have to respect on the team other than when Murray is staggering with him. And so you've got those two guys and then it's three defensive role players. And the more Christian can be comfortable with taking those threes because he's a small forward. It's not like he's a power forward or a center. He has to space the floor. It is a requirement for him to space the floor at this stage. And he hasn't taken a lot of threes. I know it's by design. I know the Nuggets are telling him basically, hey, you've got a yellow light. You take the shots if you are open and you don't take them if you are not. And that's just kind of how it is, but he's not looking for his shots. He is instead seeking out the offensive rebounding opportunities. And yeah, he grabbed none of them tonight. So there's no, it's understandable that his plus minus was minus 12 because he only attempted three shots. He did get an and one. I think it was in transition off of a pass from Jokic. And that's great. Good for him. But in all of the possessions where let's say DeAndre Jordan was on the floor, If Christian Brown's only attempted like one or two shots during that time, that's a problem because DeAndre's not going to be a big floor spacer. Jeff Green's not going to be a big playmaker or or anything like that. So Denver's got to find more opportunities to get Christian Brown involved over the course of this homestand. They have so many opportunities to play. They have so many opportunities to play young guys. And this is the time where you work those guys in, you build up their confidence, and you say, hey, look, we know you can make mistakes at home, but we we believe we can still win even if you kind of go outside the box a little bit. The goal is for you to get comfortable with doing things. Then the Nuggets will know whether they can trust Christian Brown in the playoffs or not. Because here's the thing. If teams know that Christian Brown has like an 8% usage rate or whatever the number is going to be because it's very, very low. They're just not going to guard him. They are not going to guard him, and they are going to force him to beat them in a playoff environment. And the playoffs could be won or lost by Christian Brown made threes or missed threes. If he takes five in a game and he makes just one, teams are going to be okay with that. If he takes five in a game and he makes two, teams are going to be all right. If he makes three, then he might win the freaking game for Denver. So he has to be more ready to shoot threes. He's got to be more comfortable with it. I hope the Nuggets are pushing that to him, that if he has an opportunity to take a shot, don't hesitate. Just shoot. You are a shooter. That is why you are here. You're also a defender. 
and he's done a great job defending. He deserves a lot of credit. You are a shooter. Christian Brown has to operate like that. He also did get blocked by Walker Kessler tonight when he tried to yam it on him. And again, that's one of those where you want to see him test his boundaries. You want to see him go hard and do what he can. He pump faked and then drove to the rim. And that's one of those things where if you just take the three, maybe make it, maybe don't, but then you don't get blocked at the rim. So got to find that balance. He has to. Jeff Green, as I mentioned, only attempted two shots tonight. One of them was a three that he missed. A very low usage night for him. Three rebounds, one assist. Did have a block. That was good. Rudy Gay tonight was two of seven from the field, one of four from three. That was Jeff Green's direct matchup. And so I think because of that bad shooting or subpar shooting from Rudy Gay, you can't really discredit Jeff Green for what he did tonight. Thought he was fine. Thought he did what he needed to do. It was a minus one. It is what it is. And DeAndre Jordan. Bad game for DeAndre. Did have five rebounds. Deserves credit for the rebounding. But there were so many other rebounds that he missed. The reason why DeAndre Jordan is on the court is to protect the rim and grab defensive rebounds. While also potentially adding some own own rim-running presence and offensive rebounding when he's available to do so. Did grab an offensive rebound tonight in his 13 minutes, so I, I can't necessarily complain about that one. But I thought that the Jazz, they had some really easy opportunities on the offensive end. Some of it was other guys, not necessarily DeAndre Jordan. But I thought that there was one possession in particular that I, I saw from Christian Brown where he did such a great job of contesting a play and then forcing his defender or his uh, his matchup on the offensive end to do a reverse layup. And when you force that, it gives his direct rim protector in DeAndre more time to judge what he has to do in order to protect the rim, in order to block the shot. Christian Brown forced him away from the strong side on the rim and, and got to the to the opposite side. That gave DeAndre plenty of opportunity to go block that shot. And he didn't jump. He's not going to jump in those situations, and that's kind of an issue. At least not times. He had three blocks in the last game against Portland. So the reason why I, I hold him to that is I know that he can do those things. So it's going to be one of those ongoing things that I'm not sure what to expect from him night to night. Zeke, I thought that this was a Zeke Najee night. Now I thought the Walker Kessler was going to start and that Jared Vanderbilt was going to be coming off of the bench. But what's the worst thing that would have happened if Zeke Najee had gone up against Walker Kessler tonight? What's the worst thing? Okay, you've got 22 minutes from Walker Kessler against DeAndre Jordan and some against Nikola Jokic. 10 points, 4 of 6 from the field, 8 rebounds, 3 blocks, plus 4. Walker Kessler was good against Denver's vets. He was very good. So is he going to be that much better against Zeke Nagy than he was against DeAndre Jordan? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I can't imagine that it would be that much of a difference because I don't think that DeAndre Jordan was really doing anything to prevent Kessler from doing anything. So I'm very curious to see what it looks like going forward. But it's okay. We will we'll just have to see how that evolves. 
I would rather see Zeke Naji in that situation, especially against an undermanned Utah Jazz team. But maybe there is a matchup going forward against, I think it's Washington. It's not Washington next. It's, uh, gosh, it's somebody else next. It, might be, it actually might be Washington next. So they'll have a small lineup, and we will get to see if that's DeAndre Jordan out there or not. All right, let's take a final break. Good win for the Nuggets for sure. Let's take a break. We will come back and talk about where things currently stand for this Nuggets team. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Final segment, Big Axe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about... Uh, some of the various things that I'm noticing from the Nuggets trends, from where they stand currently in the standings, where they currently are. They are tied for third with Phoenix in the West. The New, York, the New Orleans Pelicans are 17 and 8. The Memphis Grizzlies are second at 17 and 9. The Nuggets are 16 and 10. They are one game back of the Grizzlies, one and a half games back of New Orleans. For the one seed, Phoenix is also 16 and 10. Sacramento, 14 and 10. Portland rounds out the avoiding the play in teams at 14 and 12. The Clippers are 15 and 13. The Warriors are 14 and 13. The Jazz are now 15 and 14. So they're at nine. And the Mavericks are 13 and 13, tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves for that last spot. And what that says to me right now is that Denver is only three games ahead of 11th place. Three games. Now they're one and a half games out of first place, which says to me that the West is just so bunched up right now. There hasn't been a lot of separation at this point. Nobody is really genuinely playing well. Here are the records for every Western Conference team against 500 and above. 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 7 and 8, 11 and 7, 7 and 9, 9 and 10, 5 and 9, 8 and 9, 12 and 10, 12 and 7, 6 and 8, 7 and 13. And then you get down to the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Rockets at 5 and 15, 5 and 13, 5 and 17. Okay, so that is where the separation really begins. Uh, OKC also kind of in that group too. But the rest of the teams right now, 1 through 11. I could tell you that in any order, and you would have no idea who I'm talking about. The team that has the best record in the Western Conference against 500 and above teams, the Dallas Mavericks, 12 and 7. They're really good. Versus below 500 teams, the Mavericks are 1 and 6. How does anybody know how good they are? I think you can probably say that they rise to the occasion on TNT games. I think you can say that they got a little bit lucky against Denver shooting the way that they did in their last matchup against the Nuggets on Tuesday. And I think that they got lucky to not face Jokic, Murray, or Gordon in the first matchup. They're a team that is decent, but nobody really knows how good they are. The Phoenix Suns, for all of the talk about how great they were, they've lost, I think, like three in a row now. 
they are only 11 and 7 against plus 500 teams, like 500 and above. The Nuggets are 7 and 8, but it's not like they're any like different than the Memphis Grizzlies, who are one game above Denver and are 8 and 8. The Nuggets are 9 and 2 against teams that are below 500. I know sometimes it feels like Denver is underwhelming in those situations. I get it. But right now, Denver's 9 and 2 against the teams that are currently below 500. That is a credit to them and not a detriment. One of those losses was to the Lakers. One of those losses was to the Pistons. It happens. Like sometimes those happen. So Denver at this stage probably should have a couple more wins than they do. And yet they are still six games above 500. They are third in the West. They have a Doug Moe, from what I understand. That is, okay, you've got seven here. Uh, No, no, no. You've got nine away wins minus three home losses. So they're still a plus six on the Doug Moe scale. I really do genuinely think that the Nuggets are going to be fine. There are some things that I know Nuggets fans will be concerned about that you, you can sometimes help some of these bad wins, can sometimes help some of the bad defense. But the clutch defense to me gives me some hope. Denver is currently ranked first in the NBA in clutch defense. What that says to me is that there is at least some semblance of capability for this Nuggets group of being able to do that stuff when it comes down to it. When you have to play hard, when you have to lock in, the Nuggets have been really good. Now, their offensive rating leaves a lot to be desired in those situations. Denver is actually 20th in the NBA in offensive rating. But their defense has been so good at that point, 82.1, plus 20.6 net rating, ranks fifth in the NBA. They're not actually as good as you probably imagined in comparison to some other teams in the net. But a lot of those other teams are doing that because their offenses are so good. Denver's offense isn't even like hitting their stride in the clutch. And a lot of that, in my opinion is because Jamal Murray hasn't been ready to go. That he's still trying to navigate that later stage part of the game. Portland was different. He was playing great at that point, and they found ways to just go back and forth and, and were throwing haymakers at each other, which was awesome. But the rest of the time, I think Denver's mostly running things through Jokic. They've been getting a little bit stagnant. They've been getting a little bit turnover prone. And when you're in that situation relatively consistently, It can be hard to make it work. The Nuggets have the third highest turnover percentage in the NBA in the clutch so far. They have not been good at keeping away from the turnovers. And when they do ultimately shut that off, and they will, like it's going to take some time, but they will. When they shut that off, they're going to be a problem. Murray's going to be better from a clutch perspective. Jokic is even going to be better. Jokic, surprisingly, has not been very good with his clutch numbers so far this year, and yet it still feels like Denver's winning these games, but most of it is because of the defensive end, which is crazy to me. Like, how can you be the 26th ranked defense in the entire NBA, uh, and, and that's probably closer to like 30th in the NBA during the first 43 minutes of these games, and lo and behold, you find a way to eke out wins because of how good your defense can be. 
in those situations. How weird is that? That's just bizarre. So I am still trying to figure some things out about this Nuggets team. I'm still trying to just identify what their best groups are. Having some like Bruce Brown is still trying to, I'm still trying to figure out what Bruce Brown is for this Nuggets team. I think he's been turned into a starter and a fully fledged, like high volume minute weapon. When in reality, I think what he's going to be best at is being deployed in a strategic sense, not necessarily as a 35 minute per game kind of guy, which he has been over the course of much of this year. Uh, before tonight, when he played 28 minutes, Bruce Brown so far this season has averaged 30 minutes a night. That's a lot. Now, some of the numbers, 11 points, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, 39.8% from three. There's stuff to like about it, no doubt. Like He's definitely found ways to be impactful, just not as impactful on the defensive end as I really thought he would be. Like I thought he'd be leading the Nuggets in steals, but Nope, that's still Nikola Jokic tied with Contavious Caldwell Pope for 1.2. Bruce Brown's at 1.1. He should be better there. He just should. Like, there's no doubt about it. So, hopefully, he can get that up. Jamal Murray, as we're seeing, is is finding ways to be impactful and is raising his shooting percentages now because of how he's playing. And Jokic, like, what what more can you say about the dude? He just continues to be absolutely incredible. The three-point shot still needs to like he still needs to iron that out for sure. But I think he'll be fine from a three-point shooting perspective when the time comes because he's just one of those guys that raises his game when the team needs it most. So we're just gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see what it looks like. Michael Porter, still haven't seen him back. Would love to see him back by this coming Wednesday. I had been told that he was very close, that the Nuggets did not feel like they needed to put out a long-term statement on him because this was a shorter-term injury. It's just probably taken longer than expected. So Denver, they need Michael Porter back. They need him to probably replace Bruce Brown in that starting lineup, make Bruce more of a six-man type as opposed to the long-term starter that he has been. And once they get back to that place, I think they're going to be really good, but it's going to take some time. Bones Highland is going to have to figure some things out. Bruce Brown's going to have to figure some things out. Michael Porter's going to have to definitely figure some things out when he comes back. But I hope they can all figure it out together. Christian Brown could be a part of things. I think you can mix and match with the bigs. But overall, Denver's got so much that they still have to improve upon. Most of it is on the defensive end. But there's a lot of guys that still need to figure out just how they fit in to what the Nuggets are doing. And they can. There's no doubt about it. But I'm very curious to see what it looks like in 25 games from now when Denver is uh, – they're a month and a half out. They are at the end of the long home streak that they are currently about to undergo. And if they win enough games during that stretch – you may see them at the top of the West. I can't make any promises. I don't think that that is going to be like a guarantee or anything, but Phoenix is dealing with injury issues. Apparently, Devin Booker is dealing with fatigue. New Orleans, they're currently playing really, really well, but they'll probably slow down at some point here relatively soon based off of some uh, strength of schedule stuff that they'll probably get to for sure. And then who else is going to step up in the West? Is it going to be Golden State? Is it going to be the Clippers? I don't know. 
don't really don't really feel that. So I think you may see Denver take the lead in the West at some point, and that'll be great. But they've got to capitalize and they've got to get better defensively in order to do that. I just think that they will. I think that they figured it out. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Pick Action Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I will be back either Sunday night or Monday night-ish. Uh, going to be, be reacting to practice on Monday, practice on Tuesday, and I will try to communicate as much as I can to the audience that be. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys very soon. 